0: This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys. By I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a
1: bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for
0: him. Now here's the host of Play-By-Play Cast, Todd Bodette. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godette. Joe Godette. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, Joel. with L. Okay, Here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. All right, welcome back into episode 109 of Play by Playcast, the podcast about Play by Play broadcasters for Play by Play broadcasters, of course, hosted by a Play by Play broadcaster. My name is Joel Godet, and this is a professional development podcast diving into the tips, tricks, experience, stories, process, and preparations of some of the biggest and best Play by Play announcers in the business. As always, you can find us on social media at pxpcast. You can find me at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T, or you can hit me up via email, J-G-O-D-E-T-T, at B-S-U, for Ball State University, at B-S-U E-D-U. Today's episode of the podcast, uh, like last week's, comes to you from the road, although last week I did it, you know, like in a house in Pennsylvania. Uh, today I'm recording this Uh, Looking up at the ceiling right now of, for all intents and purposes, a log cabin. It's kind of cool. I had a snowball fight today in shorts and a t-shirt on top of a mountain. Uh, That was cool. Uh, Something, it was close to, you know, I've got my phone in my hand. It was close to 10,000 feet elevation. Let me see the, 9,430 feet of elevation was where I had a snowball fight in Shorts and a t-shirt today. Uh, welcome to the Great West. I've been in uh, South Dakota the last couple of days. Wyoming today. Going to a rodeo tonight. Then on to Yellowstone tomorrow. And Glacier National Park to follow. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of seasons when you're a broadcaster. Uh, to all of you minor league baseball guys out there uh, right now in the the heart of your season, um, this is your busy time of year for all you guys that are college broadcasters or you know, basketball broadcasters, football broadcasters, this is your slower time of the year. Uh, and it's it's nice to be able to get out and uh, and enjoy life a little bit. Get to travel for work a lot. We get to go to some cool places. Um, but it's always, even though you get to have some fun and do some different things, still within the confines of work, nice to just kind of be able to get out carefree uh, the last two weeks and, uh, and the week ahead. So uh, that's where we're at right now. Cody, Wyoming. I'm not going to lie. Log cabin living. Now, granted, I've got like a TV in front of me from Sony and like a fully functioning running water bathroom. Um, But I I feel like log cabin living would be kind of cool. There is something to being able to open the door at a log cabin in Badlands National Park at night when it's pitch black outside and look up and just see every star in the sky. That was kind of cool. And then there's something to being able to open up that door again in the morning and you walk out and like the sun's well risen, but, you know, the sun over the horizon of just like beautiful, unique mountains. You don't get that in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, you know, I'm sure there are some of you out there that uh, listen to this as broadcasters in the Dakotas or in Wyoming or or in places that are just kind of have that that majestic natural beauty. But uh, for... for some of us, for a lot of us, we don't get that every day. So, kind of cool to uh, gain that perspective over the last few days. All right, let's dive into the episode. Our guest today is Mark Minner. He is the voice of the Butler Bulldogs and uh, became such when he took over for Brandon Gauden, who at the time left to go to Georgia Tech and now is uh, with Westwood One and Big Ten Network and the voice of Matt in the video game. Uh, friend of the pod as well. If you scroll back through, you can find his episode. He was one of the earlier ones. He should be in the... He might be in the teens, but if he's not, he's in the 20s. If you want to go hear our episode with Brandon Gawden, uh, it was a really good one. Um, so he replaced Brandon Gordon heading into the academic year 2013. So Mark Minner, who's a Butler grad, uh, takes over the basketball job and the football job two years removed from the second Final Four as a 23-year-old, like y- young talented guy, but immediately thrust into a really big job on a very big time stage, calling games in some very big venues with a very dedicated fan base. It's a cool position to be in if you're Mark Minner. So one of the things we talk about on this episode of the podcast is uh, what it's like to, to walk into that situation and not necessarily if it's pressure, but what it's like to be a young voice of a high level um, a high major Division one university. Uh, and then we'll dive into a whole host of other things because Mark's got some really interesting perspectives. Uh, he has a full-time job in addition to being the voice of the Butler Bulldogs. Uh, so we get into kind of balancing those two things, the work-life balance and the work-work-life balance. Like there's three prongs uh, to his... Approach or his life there. Uh, so we'll dive into all of that and then we'll get into the nit, uh, nitty gritty of how he calls a game, how he preps for a game, his relationships with coaches uh, and how he's developed that at Butler, um, how he watches film, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a really good kind of nitty gritty, um, details oriented conversation today. As was the case with Mark Boyle a couple of weeks ago from the Indiana Pacers, um, he's in Indianapolis, I'm in Indianapolis, we got together at a Starbucks. Uh, it sounded like we were at a Starbucks, uh, so pull up a chair again. This week, Mark Minner from Butler, he's in Indianapolis. I'm in Indianapolis. Uh, we met up after work a couple of weeks ago at a Starbucks to sit down and tape this conversation. So uh, pull up a chair with us and uh, enjoy Mark Minner's path as the voice of the Butler Bulldogs here on episode 109 of PXPcast.
1: I was. It was actually funny. It was a few days before my 23rd birthday. So I was 22, and I think that when we talked about it, the press release, I think they said, "Hey, let's hold off on this for a couple of days until we know he's 23 and we can release that." But I was, you know, really fortunate that it just worked out after graduation. Had a year still helping out of the broadcast, and then Brandon took a, a, an incredible opportunity and got it. So good fortune. Going to my sixth year now doing doing ballet. So I got the Ball State job when I was 25,
0: which I thought was bananas, and I was 25, not 23. And it wasn't Butler, which had just come off back-to-back Final Four appearances. So what's it like to be 23 years old and thrust onto a job that has that big of a national platform? Um, And I guess we always talk about, like, you can never look at it as, like, you can't be so cautious, like, I can't screw this up but saying to yourself, oh, God, I
1: can't screw this up. (laughs) Especially those first few games you call, and you're like, oh, goodness, here we are. But, you know, one of the things about it, when when I was going through that process and they were trying to select who would be the next play-by-play guy, I, I leaned on a lot of advice from Brandon Godden, who had had the job, and other folks that had held the position and just friends in the industry there were going to be, I don't know how many applicants there were for that job, and so many of them were going to have more experience than I was. It's hard not to have more experience than I was going to have in that situation. So I went into it with the idea that what I was going to do, I had worked hard over my four years when I was in school and then out of school to be able to try and showcase work ethic, ability to that extent, graduating, and and also you know what, this, what the potential would be, right? So my conversation with them a lot of times was around you know what you're going to get A but you know that nobody's going to work harder to try and improve every game and I, I, I took the mindset that I, if I'm 22 or 23 calling these games I, I want to be better calling the game every year and I want to improve with every game and so I don't need to be some long tenured professional my first game I call right? you got to get the basics right you've got to try and make sure you're telling the story correct but at the end of the day I went in saying, "Look, every game I'm going to be as critical as I can. I'm going to work harder." But my goodness, there's a little bit of pressure too, especially when it's your alma mater and all your classmates are, all your friends are listening, and nobody's going to be a harsher critic than your buddies too. So it was, it was a little bit uh, pressure-packed at first and. Part of that is, as, as you know too, I mean, every every game you do, you get a little bit of you get a little bit of jittery and little butterflies, and it's it's fun. That's what keeps you sharp. I'm sure some of it is, you know, everybody
0: that's around Butler knew who you were, and you knew who they were too. So there's a comfort factor there. Um, but did it take some time with you walking around, going like, "Hell, I'm Mark Minner, the voice of the Butler Bulldogs, not the student who's here helping Brandon," and and feeling established yourself and being able to to jump over that line in your own head. For, for sure,
1: for sure. And, you know, still to this day a little bit, it's it's kind of an odd. A lot of times when people ask, you know, what do you do? Or you, you kind of oh, I work with Butler, and, you know, you, you don't necessarily. I'm the same lead. way. We never tell the full job. Yeah. No, you never you never do, and you, you, you see where the conversation goes. It is interesting, too. I remember as a freshman walking around, and a sophomore, you're walking around, and I was even doing halftime stuff, and you'd wear a suit, and people would confuse me for Brad Stevens because, you know, Obviously, Brad's physically stronger than I am. I, I, I'm going to give him that credit. But you know, we both had similar pr- frames and 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 expressions, and that just goes to show you a what Brad Stevens, how well he was known around there before he made those couple runs, and or, was just, or not known because they couldn't tell that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> nobody knew who he was, and 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 how you know kind of I was just this maybe look-alike or stand-in for for other people, and then you start to go throughout it, and now it's interesting meeting people who say or, or kids who are now in high school and things like you say oh yeah you know I've listened to you for a few years and you have to step back and say oh my gosh you've know you you've, you've actually been at this for a little while and you, you've had a, a lot of fun doing it and, and hopefully been able to bring folks along in that journey as well but it's still a little weird as, as you pointed out you just you try to maintain humility as much as you can uh, because at the end of the day for me it's Butler's such a special place and I care so much about it and all it's about is, is I've been so fortunate to benefit personally from the success of that program in the school that you just try and do your job and tell the story one game at a time.
0: You know, we were just talking before we uh, hit record on this, uh, the Ball State-Notre Dame game from last year, and just the, the cool nature of that moment and having that call. And then uh, you look at the opportunities and you talk about, you know, Butler's such a cool place and a cool job in a lot of those respects uh, because I feel like you get that like every other week, uh, <laughs> when you look back at the time you've had in, in just the what is it five years, if that five five yeah five full seasons yeah. going into the sixth. What like what stands out as far as like just this is crazy. I can't believe I've called this this and this already because you've been in some awesome environments um, and some awesome moments in
1: just a short amount of time. Yeah, and by the way, you did a great job on that call. That was a lot of fun uh, to listen to as, as just a fan of, of broadcasting, but. You know, for me, a couple things. One is, for the five years that I've been doing the play-by-play, they've been in the NCAA tournament, which is a blast. I can remember also the first time, now you're, you're in the Big East as a university, so folks like me get the benefit from that because you get to go to really cool venues and play great teams. first time you call a game in Madison Square Garden, and then you're, you're calling the Big East tournament, and you can flash back to however many years ago you're a kid and you're just watching that tournament and that's your you know one of the coolest things in march to be able to watch so not only some of the environments and the different tournaments the battle for atlantis and just unique college basketball venues you get to go to but also there have been some really fun games villanova at home a couple times in a row it's not every day that a team gets to beat an undefeated defending national champion and for Butler, I forget what the stat was. It was crazy. They, Villanova won. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna botch this, so don't. The Elias Sports Bureau is gonna be upset with this. But it's something like they had they were 45 and three against all other teams not named Butler, and they were 0 and three against Butler in the stretch of 18 months or two years. And and so to be able to, to call those fun games and to, to capture the try and capture the emotion that went along with that for Butler fans or for the players is really cool. And I don't think. I don't think unless you've been to Hinkle Fieldhouse, you can appreciate how special that place is when it gets packed and loud and there's a big game and a big bucket happens. It's just one of those uniquely special venues in college basketball. I don't take a a second of that for granted. Was Gonzaga when you were there or was that before your time? I was doing the halftime postgame stuff for that. Brandon was doing that game. And he, of course, delivered a a phenomenal uh, broadcast. And for me, it was the biggest thing I had to worry about in that game was not getting trampled when all of the fans decided to jump across the scorer's table to mop the court. But yeah, sitting courtside for that. And that had to be, I mean, in terms of atmospheres, because it was college game day, and it was a great year in the eight ten 10 for Butler, and the way that ended was just epic. And I, I think when you look back at those games, whether it was, you know, Alex Barlow beating IU and overtime and the crossroads classic the Roosevelt Jones game there have been a lot of buzzer beaters over time those have just been fun to observe as a fan and now you're you're set up in a position to be able to to try and call those which is that much more special but the Butler style of basketball I think it's a nail-biter every time they play whether they're expected to win or or they're an underdog in the game they find a way to make it interesting that's your best friend as a broadcaster so no no question that
0: yeah (laughs) um what was your first uh, like Sports Center like Dan Patrick play of the day moment? Um, and how cool is that when you're afforded opportunities just by virtue of the job that you
1: have to flip on a TV and be like, "Hey, that's me." Yeah, there was there, there's been a few. One of the ones that sticks out was the first time that Butler beat Villanova at home was their first win over Villanova. They were defending champs a few years ago, and, and and I remember the next day. I got a, a, just a slew of texts, I'm sure you've had this happen too, from your friends, and they're like, hey, I was listening to Mike and Mike, and, and they talked about you on there, or they did that, and it's, it's like, okay, well, that's the weirdest thing, because I remember being in sixth grade and listening to that show and, and listening to all those calls, and to just have an opportunity to call a game that can get played on that platform is, is a lot of fun, and I think it also speaks to the profile that Butler's been able to raise over time too, is that they put themselves in a position where, now you're you know you used to be when, when i first when i was a freshman at school you're you're playing these horizon league games and and trying to build your national profile and you became one of the, the better mid-majors in the country and now you look at the big east the top two or three conference in the country for the last couple of years and you're finishing in the top half of that conference every year you're you continue to make the NCAA tournament you made a sweet 16 last year and so being, in, being involved with a program like that allows the opportunity to, to have those types of games which is really special so I'm appreciative that they continue to, to, to win games and allows opportunities for, for me to, to have some fun what comes next in line with that obviously is uh, what's the pressure like
0: uh, and there's got to be a certain amount of you can't let that bother you but you also have to think to yourself when it's coming down to the wire with undefeated Villanova got to get this one right
1: yeah, and I'm sure you've got your own thoughts on how that works, too. I think there's a couple of thoughts. One, you... I lose my mind, so I'm yeah. a terrible example. <laughs> well, I think I think there's all those. There's a lot of games where you'd go back and you go, gosh, I wish I would have done this differently, or I wish I would have done that. And I feel like every broadcaster is probably their own worst critic when it comes to that. But I, you can't really let that bother you. And, and at some point, it's kind of odd. I, I think when the game starts, you snap into a different mode, which is you've done your preparation you've done all the things you need to and now it's about letting the game dictate how things are going to work and what's really interesting I think down the stretch is some games when they're big games and you know they're going to win you have more time to think about certain things when it's a last second shot you can't be thinking about how you're going to say things as much because that's where you trip yourself up and and if something goes in or doesn't go in and you can't really worry about that the, the biggest goal I, the biggest thing I think I've learned about that is trying to simplify things try not to be too overly scripted or overly in the moment or things like that just just let it come naturally and try and capture the emotion as as you would a, uh, a fan of the sport
0: in general with that in mind let me rewind back to something you said at the very beginning too and that was uh, just being better today than you were yesterday and having this year be better than the year before um, what was your growth process like in that process, for lack of another word? Um, but how did you attack getting better from one day to the next and reviewing yourself and seeking opinions and uh, areas that you thought were most important to improve uh, to get
1: yourself where you needed to be as efficiently as possible? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You listen back to some of the earlier stuff. You're like, oh, my goodness. I'm glad I'm not you'd know, you, 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 you rather not sometimes yeah. <laughs> You're glad you don't listen back at some of that and be like, "Man, those are my best years." right? That's, <laughs> that's the better thing to, to listen back and feel like you've you've gotten a little bit better. But when for me, I think, number one is you have to be open to critique. If you, and that's not just broad, I mean that's really any job out there, but especially in broadcasting, you have your own perspective on how things should sound but you're not going to be able to tell how it comes across to other people. So for me, it's asking people I respect to listen and give feedback and, and almost asking them to be critical, saying, I don't want you to tell me anything nice. Tell me something you don't like. Uh, two is listening back. I, I, don't, I don't know how everybody else does it, but I, I listen back to as many games as I possibly can. And I'll, I'll try to do it where... I'll listen back at a random game in the summer and just pick up at a random spot, so you don't remember exactly what was happening, and try and tell. If, if I was a listener caught up in this moment right now, could I figure out what was going on or what's the time and score? Yeah, what's yeah, what's the time and score? A. If I don't know that, then I got a problem. But but B. Beyond that, do can I can I feel like I understand uh, uh, understand what has happened so far in the game and where it's headed? Right. So is there is there an ability to reset enough? where I can feel like if I if I turned it off after a couple minutes I could tell my friends what happened in the game. And so you listen back at that, you talk to your friends for a critique, and I think you also try to make sure that uh, that that when you do have something that you're that you've identified as a gap or, or an area of improvement, that you're serious about working on it. And nobody's perfect everybody can get better every time and so that's my mindset i think it takes a little bit of pressure off me to just say that i'm going to try and get better every day i'm not going to try and go from zero to al michaels today right you're going to try and get better with every game and hopefully over time uh, you can look back and be really proud of the progress you made
0: what do you hear uh that just ticks you off uh things that can be anything that are tough to get rid of or or that you've been able to conquer over the last couple of years
1: Mm, that's a really good... Are
0: you talking about things that tick me off about me, or...? Just things that you... Well, I guess it could be anything. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to attack it generally, but also, I guess, if you're listening to yourself, things that you're like, gosh, I need to get rid of that, uh, and how you went about doing it. Yeah,
1: I think generally, there's some common things in broadcasting people don't know. People, you, you hear a lot of people don't like when they say us or we, or you, you identify with the team as opposed to staying objective. There's... there's think some people around emo- levels of emotion and pacing and things like that can play different broadcasters different way how much do you choose to be a fan of a team against not a fan of a team and so i i don't know that i have a, a ton of super pet peeves around a lot of those things i, I think for me number one is the, the thing the thing that does bother me is when people aren't prepared that's the thing that drives drives me crazy is you know I feel like in in the role that we play, our job is to have a certain amount of knowledge. We don't have all the answers, but we've got to have enough knowledge to be able to articulately tell the story and give people some perspective that they wouldn't otherwise have. The other thing I I don't really... I I prefer to stay away from is the play-by-play guy trying to slide into color commentary or full analyst mode because I think there's, there's an... There's an art to being able to work. If if you have a first off, if you have a two man crew, to be able to leverage the knowledge and the insight of somebody that's actually been in that seat before, as opposed to myself trying to pontificate on what should have happened in the situation. But I, I'm a fairly easygoing person, so not not too many things truly bother me. For myself, I I think for me, you talked about time to score too. If if there's ever a game that goes by and I didn't, I don't feel like I did it. Nothing makes me matter then then feeling like i didn't deliver that for for a listener or a viewer um and and number two would be pronunciations or something like that if there's if there's a key tidbit that that you mess up that's a no-brainer you should have you should have had that 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 really irks me too because that's the type of stuff that should be table stakes for for broadcasters in especially when you're in a certain environment doing the same team so if, if that ever happens that, that stuff drives me nuts but I try to I try to limit those as much as I can
0: what's your preparation process like um in terms of a being prepared but also when you talk about hey if there's a tidbit like you ever messed up that should be a no-brainer uh, ways to keep yourself organized so that when you need something you have it and you're not just like oh gosh where is it where is it okay this is what I think it was Now nah, that wasn't quite right and making sure that Um, If it's important, you've got it so that you can hit it uh, the right way and give it its due.
1: There's a lot of different – I mean, there's also a fine line, too, about, like, over-preparing, right? I I think for me that – let's take a basketball game, for example, best best scenario here. So you're reading as much as you can. You're making sure that you have as many conversations with coaches, players, sports information directors, people affiliated that you can get – different perspectives I try not to get too caught up in what fans say or what you know twitter says about certain things because you try to make sure you have the source of truth on on certain things but when you when you take all that information you aggregate it down to a spotting board and for me i think it was Kristen area that told me this once it was when he said hey here's my spotting board and i'll use maybe 10 percent of this or 12 you know 15 percent of this during a game right you don't it's almost its almost like you, you don't know what you're going to use, but the stuff that you use, if you write it down and you memorize it as much as you can, will be really helpful. Uh, so for me, it's about making sure that you... And the other thing I like doing in college basketball, fortunately in this day and age, is a lot easier, is watching as much film as you can. Because the other thing that I noticed the first few years I did this is you'd, you'd listen to other people and there was a player, Rose, Roosevelt Jones, and when he would shoot the ball, it was always a floater, Right. And I was amazed when you'd watch or listen, and people would say, "That's interesting. He's floating it," you know. And they'd be caught off guard by the fact that he floated the ball. And I thought, well, there's there's interesting. If I'm a Butler fan and I know that Roosevelt Jones, for probably ninety nine point nine percent of his shots, is going to float this ball, it would seem odd to me that you would be caught off guard by that, right? So little things like that kind of stuck with me as okay, well, what are the things, what are the nuances of the certain players that they're going to do that I should be able to almost tee people up for as opposed to react from it? And what the payoff is for that, I'm not sure for the average listener or viewer, but for me it feels more natural. It feels like you, you're you more comfortable with the, with the team. So, so those types of things you try to familiarize yourself with as much as you can.
0: Let me ask you this question based off of that because, uh, I, you know, I'll watch film on teams um, – and I'm never quite sure what to watch or what I'm watching. Um, particularly, you know, you brought up that being able to find the, the line of staying in your lane and not yep. shifting into that analyst spot. And like, well, you know, David, I saw this on film. It's like, ah, I don't want to do that. Um, but then I'm watching film of something. I'm like, what am I trying to pick up? So when you're watching something, what are you looking for to tip you off to like, oh gosh, it seems like roosevelt jones is always floating this and why that would register is something that would be unique for you to want to point out
1: It's a really good question joel part of it honestly I, I have learned what to watch for a little bit more by watching film with the coaching staff and i've kind of been a, a big fan of you know team film sessions or in when we're on flights sitting next to a coach and watching them break down the game afterwards because i'm i'm like you, I didn't play at a high level of college basketball. I think I ended with the Sharks or something, and maybe in fifth grade or sixth grade. So I, my my level of film breakdown didn't didn't go much beyond that. But over time, I, I th- I'm impressed there was film in fifth grade. Well, uh, it was probably home film, and it was it was shoddy <laughs> at best. But the uh, when, when when I look at it, I and I feel like I've watched the game for a long time, and I could I could. Make any observation your average fan could make, but over but since being a part of the broadcast crew for Butler, you get to see the whole different side of things. And I have such a respect for the level of detail that happens within that film that for me, what, a lot of the things I'll, I'll look for is okay. So what what are they trying to accomplish, and what is happening? I'll give you examples. So let's say let's say you know Butler is trying to take away a tendency from a certain player. Well, if this player happens to have this type of move to the basket every time, this is their move every time, this is where they're comfortable, this is the shot they like to get, and then you're in the game, one of the things you could lead into is when instead of talking about how this person's 0 of 6 from the field, it's not just that. You can tee up the analyst to talk about the fact that Butler has really well defended the you know, type of move that that player wants to go to every time and so you can have more of a discussion about the type of defense you know, then your analyst can break down what Butler's doing defensively to take that person out of the rhythm and what that is then causing for the rest of the team and I, I've just become fascinated by that I, I find that to be interesting, the, the guy I call games with, Nick Gardner is phenomenal at that he could easily be a coach and he has such a good ability to break things down in the game as they're happening when somebody switches from a man to man to a zone or you know maybe from one zone to another zone what are they trying to accomplish and making it simplistic in terms of are they executing or not executing and and how is the, the defense responding or how is the offense responding and so for me those are the types of things that i find fascinating and you're not trying to Especially on radio, you're not trying to break down every subset of every play. These are what everybody's doing on every play, because it becomes too much. But conceptually big picture and thematically, if I'm sitting there listening to the game and I see that you know, maybe Butler's been down and now they're making a big run and they're you know, the team had the opponent had been shooting seventy percent from the field and now they're shooting forty percent. Well as opposed to just saying that Butler's shooting really well, and they're on a 10-0 run, and this team's not doing What is it that's caused that besides somebody missing a jumper? And that's the type of stuff that I find can be really interesting and and insightful. It certainly helps to have a really talented color commentator to do with. All
0: right, we're going to interrupt things here for just a quick second and then get back to the conversation with Mark Minner. But I want to take the opportunity to let you know about audible.com. You already love listening to audio. You listen to this podcast, and statistically speaking, you probably listen to five others. So you've got a lot of time in your schedule for audio as it is. So let's talk about Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com slash pxpcast today, you'll get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial with audible.com. They have over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or whatever other mp3 player you have i found an old ipod like an actual old ipod like the real thing with like the spin dial on it um not that long ago i don't i'm assuming that would also be applicable that would fall under mp3 player right maybe like an ipod shuffle Although maybe the chapters would be out of order. All right, you get the point. Audible.com or audibletrial.com slash PXPCast. They have, again, over 180,000 titles like The Girl on the Train, a novel, The Hobbit, Divergent. Listen, if it was a movie, there was probably a book. And apparently they have all of those. So go to audibletrial.com slash PXPCast. Sign up for your free audiobook and a free 30-day trial for audible.com. Now, back to Mark Minner. How did you start watching film? I mean, I, like, I sit in on film in, in film sessions, but, uh, like, sitting next to a coach on the plane as he's breaking something down uh, and not, like, this is just me personally. Like, I would feel like, what am I doing here? And getting them to invite you into that and, and be able to kind of make you part of that process because I, I can imagine would be unbelievably beneficial
1: very beneficial and I think that goes back to some of the relationship building side of, of uh, trying to get to know the coaches. I will say that this is good, Joe, you like this. My first year doing the baller games, you know, when you travel with the team you're so nervous, you don't want to disrupt the flow, you don't want to upset anybody and the first road trip we went on, there was like a 30 seat plane that we were going on and you know, I'm all packed up with everything I need to and I think we we're going to Omaha. And I walk out there thinking, I don't want to bother anybody. I'm going to stay in the corner. And I walk out. The team's out in the hallway. And some of the coaches walk out of the coach's office. And Michael Lewis, who was one of the assistant coaches at the time for Butler, looks over and he, he goes, "Mitter." He goes, there's my plane buddy. There is my plane buddy You and I Are on the plane together And I'm like Looking around (laughs) Thinking me? What what, uh, Okay well This broke the ice This is great And so I Went up to him And he's standing In front of everybody He goes You know why You're my plane buddy I said No I don't You're small Because you're the Smallest guy on the flight he said, I can get as much leg room as I want and I might lean my elbow over. He you're my plane buddy. because I, I called it before any other coach got to you. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, and that, that opens the door for, hey, what are you doing? Uh, so if you're going to have your elbow on the armrest, I'm going to take a look over at the film and we're going to have uh, some friendly banter and it'll be good. But, you know, I think that's, that, that's part of it too. is just trying to get to know the coaches and giving them the appropriate amount of space because their job is incredibly stressful and you ride a lot of highs and lows and and as a broadcaster my paycheck doesn't change based on if a team wins or loses so i respect that that's that's a totally different dynamic but i try to keep my job while while maintaining professionalism and and those aspects is to to be able to be a balance to those folks who are riding those ebbs and flows and and be consistent in how i approach conversations with them And with the team and so hopefully then in response that you can earn trust and you can earn an opportunity to gain some more insight from what they're trying to accomplish.
0: I want to ask you something else about uh that's I want to say fairly unique because there are a lot of people in your situation um but I don't think we've talked to one on this podcast in some time um I don't want to speak out of turn maybe we have um but uh, a lot of us that are broadcasters consider broadcasting our full-time job Uh, It's literally my full-time job. Uh, It is not your full-time job, but you treat it as such while also having a real full-time job. Uh, How do you balance those two things and uh, not get either side to yell at
1: you? Well, I I don't have small children, so that helps. Uh, I I, I will say that I'm I'm fortunate. I I work also full-time at a company called First Person, which is a... Benefits consulting firm in, in Indianapolis, but they, they have been fortunate for the last six years as well to allow me to do both, and well, it looks good for them too. The- yeah, yeah I mean I mean, that's the part. It doesn't hurt that our owner's a, a Butler grad and, and now a, a member of the trustees at, at Butler, so, so we can talk dogs whenever we, we, we can. But I, I will say that you know, one of the fortunate aspects of the way that we work in the century, you know, the century, as well as the way the role that I have with that company works is that I can work remotely if I need to. You can be on phone calls, you can respond to emails, you can do things like that on the road. And the way Butler's traveled over the last 6 years since joining the conference has dramatically changed as well. You're taking charter flights everywhere. You're you're taking day trips or, you know, one and a half day trips as opposed to taking a Wednesday to Sunday on a bus and you're going on the road. So it makes it a lot easier to be able to get back and forth for work work commitments. And the, the fact of the matter is, just like I'm sure you, you get out of it as well, it's, it's not like you're working a job you don't like, right? So there's something about like an iron sharpens iron or you create a little bit of energy because if you come off a, a tough game that Butler had, you go back into the office and you can get re-energized by what you're doing there. Vice versa, if you've had a long stretch of uh, days, long nights working in, in the professional setting, you can go and get excited for a basketball game coming up at the end of the weekend. So it re energize itself a little bit. And, and I think that, for me, the, the biggest thing is it forces you to try and be really good at time management because you've got to prepare for a certain amount of time, so you almost have to schedule that. and you may not be able to make it out to as many social events during the basketball season as you'd like, but at the end of the day you're, you're doing something you love with a, a team that you, you you do care about because you know, I went to school and you'd be following the team regardless. It's just a, a unique perspective into it so. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are you know, able to do different things. And for you, I mean, though you, Joel, you think think about it, you're doing other sports and you're doing other events during that time as well. It's just a balance of of what it is between being in a business setting and a, and a broadcasting setting. And I've been fortunate to be able to, to do both.
0: I imagine you maximized your time around the team in that respect, too, because... If I want to go to practice, I can walk downstairs. Uh, the luxury, I imagine, is not the same, although you can probably get to them if you needed to. But, hey, if you're on the road, like, hey, this is the time I've got to observe them, so I've got to use it wisely.
1: No question. You, you can't go to every practice. You can't go to every shoot-around or things like that. You, you, when you are with them, you got to stay focused and engaged and try and find a way to really be able to build a, a continuous relationship that doesn't stop and start all the time. And I think for me it's a bit about trying to make sure that you're building relationships with coaches, you're building relationships with players, you're building relationships with staff, that throughout the season you're up to date, you understand what's going on, and even in the offseason that you're making time to go connect with these folks to be able to not just try and get insight or things like that, but to really – continue to build that relationship so that way when this you know the year comes around it's not like you took a summer vacation and hey we're back ready for another year so uh, i think it's about being genuine in, in how you uh, build a relationship with folks like that
0: and that you're around more than when you just need something from them which is
1: right. always oh, terrible yeah. yeah oh yeah by the way can you guys tell me what's going on here uh, i'd really like to know and i haven't seen you in three months <laughs> exactly uh, so uh,
0: what's that guy gonna do he's hurt what um you don't just do Butler, though, which is the other thing. You, you do some other broadcast work, and, and you've done some other broadcast work before you even were the voice of Butler. Uh, one thing, if I have this right, that stood out to me, though, uh, NCAA championships for women's golf. Okay, you're nodding, so I'm, I'm on the right path here. Uh, how does one broadcast, uh, and this is silly because I say this like it's a niche sport that's not ever on television. We just have the U.S. Open as we record this. Um, but how does one broadcast the NCAA women's golf championships?
1: I had a blast doing that. I, 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 that was so much fun. That was my sophomore year of college, I believe. It was down in Kentucky, and I had done done some Division three golf as well in other years, and uh, it was the Division two Women's Championship, and it was a lot of fun. 18th hole coverage. It's a little bit more makeshift than probably Jim uh, Nance is used to, but the, the crew did a great job, and it's a fun crew to work with. You, you kind of set up on the 18th hole and you did coverage coming into the last few holes so you didn't do the full you didn't do the full course but the other thing about it, there weren't as many camera angles, and so you relied on some information from other people. And I, I think I, I had some good learning moments in there as well about how to make sure you really understood where the ball was going before you said anything. And that's one of those, those that goes back into those archives of moments you, you are great learning experiences if you take them for that. But. It's a great birdie chance for par. Yeah, that one's down the middle. It's in the water. <laughs> uh, but, but, no, there, I, I had a lot of fun doing that. I think that the really cool thing about golf is you get to do a lot of really good storytelling. Because there's so many different participants that are playing in that. The, the average person who's going to turn in that broadcast probably has some level of invested stake in a team or a person, or has been a past participant, or has some invested stake in that. So what's really unique is to be able to bring some of the stories from either those teams or those individuals or those coaches and be able to share those with all the people that are out there because the pace of it's a little bit more baseball esque, right? You're not it's not action packed, you're not losing your mind over a putt, but you're you're finding a way to make it compelling and interesting during that time with limited camera coverage where you're not bouncing back from the first hole to the seventh hole to the third hole to the ninth hole to the 18th hole like you would see in a, in a larger scale golf production. And as a golfer myself, I, I, I've enjoyed it. I, I think there's uh, it's, it's a different challenge but it was a lot of fun to, to do that and I, I enjoy, I think the thing I enjoy about college sports, especially at the Division two or Division three level is the different backgrounds that people have and the ability to connect those and bring those out during a broadcast, and and how meaningful the game is to those participants. Yeah,
0: and it's it's almost like you're you're less a play-by-play announcer and more a host. I feel like is more like an apropos word when it comes to the storytelling, um, because while everybody has a vested interest, otherwise they're probably not watching Division Two women's golf. Um, they don't know everybody, uh, so the the job for you is to be able to to inform
1: them on who everyone else is, which is kind of fun and different. No question, no question. And that that, that is a big piece of it. I mean, that, that is the way, I don't, I don't know how you would say you, you treat your broadcast in terms of how you think about them. Over time, I, I believe I've tried to think of it more like a story. You have characters coming in, you've got a plot that's to be written, but your job is to get as much homework and sort of the, the preamble for for the broadcast. And then see how it plays out. And your job's to, to try and tell this story. And if you've got to self-identify who these characters are throughout. You've got to bring these people in and out of the story. And so in, in that vein, when it comes to those types of collegiate athletes and those types of collegiate sporting events, it's a lot of fun. Because as long as you do your homework, you have an abundance of information. It's about when you can time it effectively and how, you, how articulately you can tell the story. Um, before uh, they kick us out of Starbucks here as we record this, because I, I don't know what time
0: they close, but we have to be getting close. Um, I do want to ask about uh, your influences in broadcasting as well, um, because I believe there are a couple friends of the pod in there. Uh, we've had Brandon Godin on uh, before, and we've had Dan Schulman on before. And I, I found in, a, in an article, I think from when you were in high school, uh, that you were connected with him. Uh, how have those two guys shaped... Uh, who you are, what you do, and and I guess who else uh, would be someone that you look up to and has shaped
1: uh, who you are professionally. Yeah, a- absolutely. Two rock stars in the industry to be sure. I, I think for me, the biggest thing. That, should we wait for like closing time to come on? Is that what's? Is that what the song they're going to go? Is into? that the key? I don't. This, this is that, isn't is a that, bar, right? This no. Okay, no. <laughs> so we're not going to get that. And the lights aren't going to come on. For, for me, I think the influences Joel are are varied, right? Brand, Brandon gone. I don't know that I can. Probably Brandon got into Corey McFerrin. Corey McFerrin was a was a sports anchor, is now a news anchor for Fox Chicago. And he, he was the one that introduced me to Butler. He was the one that got me connected down here. He was a mentor when it came to trying to get the next job. And so I owe a ton to Corey. Brandon gave me an opportunity as a student to join him on the broadcast and be able to gain exposure and experience. and You, you learn so much by how he conducts himself, both. In front of a microphone and, and uh, outside of outside of a broadcasting booth, and for me, though, you know, let well, talk about Brandon for a second. What his career now at Madden and Westwood One and Big Ten Network and Fox Sports, it could not be more deserving for somebody like him who is such a tireless worker, such an incredible talent, and. And he is one of those guys that I just respect so much personally, and I, I'm so appreciative to be able to call him a friend. That for me, any chance I can watch a game, listen to a game that he's doing, I learn something new. And I try to incorporate what he's trying to do without trying to literally say the same thing he's doing, right? Yeah. You don't want to just try and copy what he's doing, but you want to try and understand how he's doing it and what he's trying to get across. Dan Schulman, I, I so when we had a TV station in high school, Dan's wife was a good friend of our TV teacher, and one day he said, hey, have you ever heard of a guy named Dan Shulman? I'm like, have I? Yes, where's this going? <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I'm, I happen to know his wife, and so that went on, and I, I reached out to Dan, and it was, I remember, for it was a Bulls game that I went to in high school, and He said, come find me. And we talked for about 45 minutes before the game just in the stands. And he was so generous with his time, so generous with his thoughts. Flash forward that Gonzaga game, he was in to call that game. And he hadn't called any games at Hinkle or called any Butler games. But he met me for breakfast, and we caught up, and we talked through – what was going on in my life, what was going on in his life, and how things had changed. And he's got a fascinating background to, you know, his how he was discovered and his actuarial science background and things like that. And then flash forward, and now he's done the battle for Atlantis a few times and done some Butler games. We always have a chance to catch up, and it's a, a blast to watch him continue to excel. And I think as far as just a natural... I feel like Dan Shulman could walk into any broadcast. He wouldn't know who the players are. He wouldn't have, And he could deliver a phenomenal broadcast. Everything with him, he's, he's so well prepared, but it seems so effortless when he calls a game. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about him. The other guy who I have a ton of respect for that I've gotten to uh, be good friends with over the last four years or so is Joe Davis, who has now uh, re- replaced Vince Scully. And I don't know if you can replace Vince Scully, he's taken the job that Vince Scully had. And he's doing all this incredible work on Fox Sports, and he's such a talent. But he, as much as anybody else, has been overly generous with their time and and thoughts and feedback. And he and his wife are wonderful people. And I've I've just been so fortunate, as as I'm sure you have as well, to meet people that are so kind with their time and so kind with their genuine care for who, who you are and how you develop that, makes me feel like any time that that somebody reaches out to me that if I'm not doing that, what excuse do I have? because these people are far more successful and I, I am I mean, are you kidding me and 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 how many things they have going on and they're still as attentive and focused on making sure that you get better. it's a great it's a great model for what you try to aspire to be. I mean you're taking valuable time away from Joe Davis's grilling empire, so. Well, he, I mean, I, look, Joe, I don't need any broadcasting
0: advice. I need to know how to work that green egg more effectively. What's the best thing on Instagram is when you just watch how he smokes chicken? Like, uh, it blows my mind.
1: Well, it, it's, it's not only the fact that he's smoking chicken at what's probably 2 a.m. our time, but <laughs> it's the fact that it's in the middle of February and he comes back from a Pac-12 pack game and he's 78 degrees and he's in shorts. You're like, Joe, I don't know if I'm more jealous of the fact that you can gr- out-grill me or that you can wear shorts right now and be very happy outside, and it's two degrees here. A combination of the few. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly.
0: Um, if people want to uh, find Mark Minner on social media or uh, games for Butler or whatnot, uh, how do they track you down? Uh,
1: t- Twitter would be at Mark Minner and uh, Instagram, I believe, is at Mark Minner4. I think there's another Mark Minner is out there, there. Are there three more? I've never met one. I don't know where this person <laughs> is and, and somebody must have mistyped Matt Miner or something like that and they must have gotten to it because I, I don't know how that happened. But and, and our broadcasts, we've been fortunate we've had a great partnership with 1070 uh, 1075 FM locally and we've had some games on 1430 this year in, in a partnership with them so uh, looking forward to it the tune-in radio app's been a, a great thing for for Learfield and for Butler basketball to catch all the games but just really fortunate to have a lot of really good people that have afforded me an opportunity to do what you, you love and I appreciate uh, you taking time to to listen to my boring stories. So thank you.
0: All right, that is Mark Minner, our guest today on episode 109 of PXPCast. Um, I've got to get going, so we'll keep the outro short today. However, next week, uh, I'm back home. We're back to normal. Uh, Mike Curto of the uh, Tacoma Rainiers will be our next guest. And then Dan Hort joins us after that. Uh, really cool chat with him down in Winston-Salem last week for the uh, National Sports Media Association Awards weekend. Uh, Dan Horde will be our guest, the voice of the Bengals and the Bearcats coming up um, two weeks from now. Until then, we say so long. Make sure to follow us on social media at PXPCast. I am at Joel Godette. And uh, subscribe if you don't already Get this podcast delivered right into your uh, iPhone, your iPad, whatever you listen to, your podcast app uh, immediately when it drops every single Friday morning. They're playing the music. That's our go-home cue. Talk to you next Friday right back here on PXPCast. PXPCast.